talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. The whole week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to another Drop Kicked Off podcast. A Drop Kicked Off pod, pod, drop kick off podcast. Um, uh, sorry. To... Yeah, I reckon we'll let's leave it in. Leave it in. Yeah, we're leaving everything in. Um, <laughs> it's me, Nick, and today I'm joined by Nathan uh, Williamson and uh, Nick W. How are you, boys? As, as we say, always good after a win, particularly after the, the past seven, busy seven days. It's always good to finish a week with a win. So I'm doing great. Oh, it's been a it's been an interesting couple of days, but uh, capping it off with again, as mentioned, fantastic win. It's nice to see uh, the Wallabies back in the winning circle, and also, you know, considering the week it's been or the, the couple of weeks that it's been, um, just to see that end result, fantastic. Yeah, so good. Um, we're not joined by Jack. Um, he's seen the light uh, of all the Wallabies <laughs> injuries, and um, yeah, he's right. He's running laps of TJ Milner as we speak, trying to get fit. He reckons he could uh, fill in at fullback. Um, he, he fancies himself. He fancies himself at the ten. So you know, yeah, just he, <laughs> you've, you've got his number. <laughs> he fancies himself as the first um, uh, fullback. Full back and also do a good job in the uh, line out. TG um, Milner isn't even his local ground. It's like he lives in he lives in the inner west. So he's like he's going there just because he wants to get he just wants to get in the corner with all the uh, all the Eastwood folks in the know. That's yeah, just, uh... <laughs> that's that's Kudji Oval for you. you oh Rarick, yeah, yeah, Rarick, straight in, straight inside from Merrick. Oh no, no, I thought it was on University Campus. That's what I heard. Yeah, yeah, he yeah he told me he he likes the turf there. Um, he likes the undergrowth. Anyway, um, so we don't have any questions uh, this week. We just kind of kind of like you know go a bit crazy. Um, like the last five minutes of that game on uh, Sunday morning. So first of all, we'll, we'll, we'll just hit it off with the Wallabies. Um, Sweeping statements time. Really That's good game. It. That was a really was. good game. I really enjoyed myself. <laughs> Um, I guess the first thing we'll talk about is um, there was a lot of heart in there, uh, don't you think? Nick, I, I kind of felt that they didn't panic. They never panicked. Mm. Would you agree with me, Nick? I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. It was – look, it was – we were – there was a bit of apprehension, I think, for some fans before this game, uh, probably, you know, not just because of the fact that, you know, we're up against the old coach. Um who looked to have a pretty decent start to his Argentinian career with, uh, uh, you know, with that series win over Scotland, um, which is something that I could, we can't say that we've done in a little while. Um, but on top of it as well, I mean, there've been there've been so many changes and already in the lead up to the game, uh, you know, players having to drop out due to injury, folks being brought in, and then of course, you know, which we'll get to in a while, the the uh, Michael Hooper deciding not to take the field and Slipper stepping up and. 
You know what? They went. The boys weathered the storm. They played really good, you know, rugby. I think the Argentines. Like, like I was a bit worried that they would fall into the Argentine style of, of game. That really kind of niggly rugby that they that they like to do. And you know, going to Mendoza. You know, not many teams have have beaten Argentina in at Mendoza. It's a pretty much a, a really strong fortress for them. Um, so to show such composure, to first of all stay in touch with the game, you know, uh, for for the majority of the match, but then come back into it with, uh, you know, through str- strong forward dominance, um, tapped off by the backs who were, I think they were just. That's probably I, I'd I'd argue maybe Natho, you can disagree with me on this one, but I reckon that's probably the the, the strongest the backs strongest performance in the last twelve months. Would you agree? Yeah, I'd probably probably say that. Like they. It's one of those things when you start kind of looking at looking back to the game, you start thinking, all right, so who had, you know, there was so many good performances that came out of it. I thought it was, you know, Nick White's best performance of the year. He'd probably say, say the same for Hunter Paisami. You know, Tom Wright, fullback, was great. And then you start kind of breaking down, going, well, who actually had a bad game? And I couldn't tell you. I couldn't, mm. I, it was like the term, you know, it was a one to 23 performance is thrown around far too often. But like, that was legitimately a one to twenty-three performance where everyone was on fire. You know, bench came on and, and provided some solid hitouts and some solid impact. You know, Reese Hodge slotting it, fly half, and Quaid went down. Like it was just a really good performance all around. And as you said, my God, this team can fight. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, this, yeah huge this, fight. They just like I don't. It's it's a team that just keeps getting the shit kicked out of them with bad luck and things going their not going their way. Where it might be dubious calls or, you know, injuries coming up. They just they just fight. I I, I said it after the game. They're the you know if you look for the most Australian team possible, the team which you know you want to kind of say represents what we think of ourselves. It's the Wallabies. It's they're a bunch of underdogs who just fight until you know, they might not be the most talented. They might not have the same level of resources as every other team. You know, it's not like the All Blacks who will have the best pick of a bunch. You know, not the same population, the same level of players as England and France in terms of sheer population that they'll have more. They'll naturally have more players to pick from than us. But they're just they're they're built different. They just fight till the end, and you know when you turn on a Wallabies game now that, you know what, for 80 minutes, they're going to fight. They're gonna, and in this case, they're going to fight and find a way to get a result in one of the hardest places to win. So, like, full credit to them. That was, it was just incredible performance all around. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, to what you're saying, I think, <clears throat> and I, I, Nick mentioned it before, I think we are playing, obviously we are playing a Michael Checker coach team and kind of did seem like that. A lot of dumb kind of, Penalties given away, um, attacking from the 22. But I think kind of a hallmark of this Rennie side is that they don't panic and they can kind of, they stick to their guns. Um, Another hallmark, and we can talk about this a bit later, maybe just not right now, seems to be a ton of injuries. Um, But, and I'm I'm no expert, so I'm not sure how much you can subscribe to that. But I think... Yeah, I think that's a huge hallmark of, of the Rennie squad. Um, another hallmark is, and because, you know, people I heard today that Foley really wants to come back to the Wallabies. 
so you think folly you think checker so again we can kind of talk about that but like nick let's kind of talk about and nathan touched on it as well but standouts um I thought Nick White's kicking was amazing, and that's the most European kind of controlled kicking that I've ever seen, for example. Is, was there any kind of standouts uh, for you individually? Well, loads. But it, it's, it's interesting you mentioned some points on, uh, like, you know, the, 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 the knit and grit of this team. Um, and, you know, I think it's... it's what it's what the we were and we're talking hallmarks as well um and i'll get to the point of you know someone who's kind of embodying that and running with it and doing stuff with it um you know the thing that is that really is interesting and i think you know you we're fans of the, the real kind of rusted on hardcore fans that we are have, have kind of seen that there's a real potential in this Wallabies team for a while. I mean, we talk about the depth. I think it's the fact that, you know, Czech handed out cap after cap after cap to so many players, but what did he actually do with them? Rennie has taken all of these bits and knows what to do with these players and knows, has analysed exactly what is in front of them. That's what I find so fascinating. And, well, you know... I th- I don't think it's necessarily the case that the Wallabies have, you know, they we, we talk about, oh, yeah, the Wallabies don't panic anymore. Well, I mean, they did panic at the end of that England game. Um, but what they do do, which is what I think is even more impressive, is that unlike, you know, years gone by previous, they're actually looking at what they did wrong and then learning from it and showing accountability. So you won't get the same performance week to week. Uh, which I think is particularly resonant in this particular game. And in terms of actual standouts, for me, uh, let's talk Jed Holloway for a bit. Um, debut cap. And it felt like he was always there. It felt like he'd always been a member of the, a part of that team because he just slotted in, played really, really well, combined quite well with Fraser McWright, I thought. Um, and additionally, of course, supporting uh, all of that in the in that three is uh, is Rob Bal- in Rob Valentini. Um, they were going up against. I thought Rob Valentini had a great game. He's really yeah. he's really showing his potential now. Yeah, well, Valentini well, was basically tossing up between Valentini and, and Holloway for me. But they're going up against Matera, Kramer, and Gonzalez, who are all excellent players, especially Matera, mm. of course. And I actually think, particularly in that second half, they just out-enthused them, out-muscled them, and, you know, clearly were just enjoying the, their rugby and actually coming out here with, a, okay, well, this is the mentality and approach we're going we're gonna to take with it. And even when, you know, things were happening and things were changing in the back line, of course, you know, Cooper went down and we, honest to God, wish him all the best on that, which, of course, we'll, we'll, yeah, get, we'll, to. Go get, to, yeah. we'll get to that. But just the 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 fact they were they just felt like they were everywhere that the, our our loose forwards, um, and I thought the one that, and I thought Holloway really stood out to me and it, like I can't actually genuinely choose between those the back the uh, the back three because McWright um, slotted in so he, you you could tell he was waiting for that moment um, uh, to to try and see how he would go at seven and he took it and he went and he really showed how strong he is. Uh, Holloway, I thought, was outstanding. He played really, really well. Um, and, and it all complemented the great form that Valentini's been in. Um, yeah. So, Nathan, do you agree with Nick? And also, I'd love your take, Nathan, on uh, Fraser McWright or, because those Kiwi commentators have infected me, McCrate, as we might <laughs> call him. Good old, good old McCrate. 
I, I again completely agree. I think it, it kind of speaks to this new age. It's weird to say a new age debutants for Wallabies. These guys that have been around for a long time that have you know gone overseas and learnt their craft, picked up different things to refine their game, and are, are back in Australian rugby and look five times better than when they left. You know your Holloways, your Dave Pareckis, Caden Neville. I, I thought he was excellent, and you know you. You touch on the, the Kiwi butchering the, the McCrate. But, you know, that was – I think that's what, a key reason why he was actually – he was so ready to step up was because, you know, at, at that tournament at the Pacific Nations Cup gave him three games to start against quality opposition. And not only him, you know, Reese Hodge who comes off the bench and starts at 10. Matt Gibbon off the bench, you know, he's overcome his own emotional story. Again, there's a great article in the SNH that goes through it. I fully recommend reading it. You know, th- these guys are now all of a sudden ready to go. And when they might have been playing club rugby, they're only cup- coming off a couple of weeks of proper international rugby. So, like, we've all of a sudden had all these setbacks and injuries and, you know, people pulling out and all that sort of stuff. But you've now all of a sudden got this depth that is not only proven, but is now battle-hardened and ready to go on an international stage. So that's that's what stood out to me for that back row. But, again... Mick Wright, Mick Wright just showed that he's he's the next Hooper in waiting and he's ready to go and slot into that seven rail for as, as long as Hooper needs out for. Yeah, it was it was great to see him um, step up into that role, I thought. Um, and it was also great to see Holloway and all that. Exactly. Like, it, it's it's kind of heartwarming, but, you know, you also go like, oh, I wish, you know, I can't wait till these guys come back, the first team players, and see how much we can step up. Um, Nathan, I'll send this one back to you. Uh, but I don't know, you can kind of pass on this, you might get in trouble. But there's been a ton of injuries. Um, some are unfortunate, like Banks, you can't help. But there's been a ton of injuries, and they keep coming. Um, so I, like, you know, Quaid, I guess you can take out, but is there a kind of a issue here? Should we be worried? Um, do you know anything of the, the, the States, the different super rugby teams getting a bit worried? Uh, and do you think that with Sammy Karevi's played Commonwealth games, done his knee in for a year, uh, Quaid's out for a year. Do you think that will impact us? Um, like I, Again, I I don't know anything different than the average bear, but um, I again I think a lot of those injuries it just come down to bad luck. You know, you bring up Banks, but and yeah, Banks does his arm during during is during a game. Um, Parisi was a knock. Kate Neville was a a bad clean out that that a ref somehow has missed. Uh, Angus Bell was a toe injury picked up during a game. Um, Scott Seo was a burner that just happened that he. Copped a bad knock during that second test, and you know that got him out. You know, Quade Cooper, both injuries were either pre-game or during the game. So when you kind of when you knock those, take those ones out. The only uh, Sammy Karevi was a knock during that. I think the Kenya Sevens game. So when you, you kind of take those guys out, it's only your Callaway with a hamstring and Johnson Holmes and Hannigan are the main three. I mean, Parecki's concussion, but again... This list is growing. <laughs> I'm just saying, just hearing you say it, the list is going and going well, and going. But, like, <laughs> but when you consider, in terms of training-wise, it's only realistically four injuries. Of four mm. to, I, I think that I can... I'd probably probably miss one it's that long, but again, 
four <laughs> injuries, two to guys who weren't initially in the squad. So we, I don't think there's that much of a problem. Like there's, there's been, it's been reported that potentially, you know, that contributed to Hooper's decision to take leave. I, again, don't really, not putting too much weight into that. I think it's, you know, you have to try and get players up to an international standard. So, yeah, they're going to get punished and there's probably going to be some level of injuries, but I think it's just been compounded by a horrendous, horrendous in-game luck when it comes to this stuff. As for losing Cooper and Karevi, I think it'll affect us going forward, but, I mean, it was, it's been reported that they weren't going on the spring tour anyway, so you realistically, I, I, they're only going to be missing, what, five games coming up? Five out of the next ten games, which they weren't, which they are originally going to be missing. I think Noah's shown enough that he can just step into that ten. And Hunter Paisami was more than capable as a, as a twelve. So, like, I think we've we've got the we've got the de- we're in a lot better position depth wise to handle those guys being out. And you know, I, I think it's you know it's a little worrying because how well Cooper, especially how well Cooper played in that first half. But I don't think it's anything to be full alarm bells. It's just. I think it's just time for Alessio to step up and really announce himself on the world stage. And what what a better way to do it than against Argentina on Sunday? Well, yeah, let's go on that. And yeah, Nick, I want to hear from you. We don't. Cooper's gone. It looked like a pretty horrible injury. Like it was just that kind of injury out of nowhere that's, where it is fell that's down. A, so ruptured Achilles is the, is the oh, word. Oh, ruptured. Out. Oh, ruptured just makes it sound so much worse. But yeah. I mean, yeah, I think Alessio comes straight in. He played really well. I'd love to see uh, James O'Connor get some more time there. And, of course, I thought Reese Hodge, like, he just seems to do the trick. Um, I think the stat is having lost a game with him at fly half. Um, but he really is a bit weird. He's got that really good, like, rugby league skill set. Um, big wide body, you know, big boot, whatever, huge hitter. But, anyway... Um, I mean, we're not too far away from Jar Bless, Tane Edmund, and Ben Donaldson maybe coming in at number 10. Um, and Nick, uh, what's next for Fly Half? And, and, he, and you know, actually, no, I'll leave that. But what's next for Fly Half, you reckon? Well, it's, it, it, this is kind of, there is a point that you, you, every team goes through something like this. Um, and I think, first of all, it's positive that the team has adapted well and has, has put things together. Um, we, we talk a lot about the, 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 cons, the, the discussion of depth has been such a topic of conversation for the last few years um, prior to the, you know, the Wallabies. Uh, the prior, this has been a discussion even before Rennie, but way before Rennie came along, you know, with Checker coming along, uh, doing the stuff that he did. Um and now it's it's a real test of our depth. And I think it's a great indication of, you know, what we've been doing at some of the lower levels this year that we lose probably, let's, I mean, no, and this is no slouch on Alessio and his performance in the England series because he is showing such incredible growth and he's an excellent listener. He's really taken on some of the, you know, the issues with his game and he's showing willingness to really change. But Cooper, you know, has been in such form for, for the fly half for the Wallabies and to lose him. And we say, okay, well, who's next to us. We have immediately three names that stick out to us um, off the top, which is people who are established, who've been playing in the role for a while, Lalesio, O'Connor and Hodge. 
I mean, of course, Hodge isn't the ideal position. He's a he can slot into any position, and ideally, he I think he is best utilized currently as that versatile player that comes off the bench um, and produces the performances that that bring you home. You know, like the, what we saw against Argentina over the weekend. But we have options here. Um, I think as well, even the like the hooker position, which I was quite, this one I was quite worried about when we lost Parecki because I thought Parecki had a really stellar England series and I thought he had kind of usurped um, uh, Fayengar to 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 become our, our first starting hooker. Um, but Fayengar had a great match as well. He had a really good game um, on the weekend. Uh, <clears throat> so, yes, it is a test of depth. Yes, it is a test of everything. But I think it's also an indication that we are we're not as weak as we thought we were when it came to depth, considering how well all of these players, these uh, you know reserve players, are slotting into that. And it goes to show the importance of things like Australia A, the Australia A team, of things like the NRC from years ago, because those t- those players are. You know, those players who played in the NRC are now, they are the Wallabies. You know their names now. Um, watch how they grow. Um, so for next week, for me, it is Lalesio who starts. Um, I think... What's your what's your depth chart? Like, <clears throat> so, like, one, Cooper. I thought Cooper had a great game. You know, that was amazing to watch him play again. But, you know, is it like one, Cooper, two, Lalesio... Who's three? Who's four? Who's five on that fly half? So, look, for me, I think at the time, like I made that, like when we were making the depth chart in the in leading up to the England series, for me, I think I put O'Connor at three, purely on the fact that, well, you know, he'd had, at that point, he'd had a really positive season for the Reds before injury, um, and he'd been looking really, really good. Um, and then four and five uh, was, I think, was that was you know Donaldson and Edmed. Um, and then I, I think also because I, th- I threw, I threw Pasatoa in there as well because Pasatoa had been playing really well for the Force. But and you know Horan had immediately said, oh, he should be a Wallaby in waiting. And I'm like, nah, nah, give him a chance. Like he needs a couple of seasons of Super Rugby under his belt before we even consider him for that. But the, the boys, can, the boy can play. Um, and he just broke his leg. In club rugby. Did he? Bro- <laughs> oh, oh, Jesus. Yeah, like Shattered it like like proper nine to 12 months in injury. Oh, no. Oh, like, yeah, that's right. So, well, there's, but then there's like Stuart. I mean, Stuart, he's, I mean, he's been also doing stuff in the back three and in the centers as well. But I mean, he has played at 10 before. Wait, does Pastel play for the Rebels? Hmm? Pardon? Pastel play for the Rebels? No, for the That's Carter Gordon. And Hamish Stewart's now gone to the force. Yeah, Carter Gordon. No, Carter Gordon was the other one to consider. Um, honest, honest to God, I would probably give those boys at least another season or two seasons of Super Rugby before I'd consider them for uh, for for the Wallabies. Um, which is why I hesitate with Edmed and Donaldson. Um, you know, there's also Will Harris as well. I mean, the Waratahs are really they're really doing well with their with their still ACL. Is he still gone as well? Oh God! Um, like I would hesitate to bring in Edmed because I mean, realistically, he's only had one or two seasons of really solid back-to-back Super Rugby performances. You know, we talk, we compare ourselves with the likes of you know New Zealand who have the Richie Mwangas who who've had five or six seasons before they go in. Considering the depth that we are starting to grow, I think we can afford to give Edmed another another year. But but it's not about like 
it's like not giving him another year. It's like if Luisio gets injured. Well, Chance, like, so at the moment it looks like Luisio gets injured. Reese Hodges starting at ten, and then maybe James O'Connor. I'd probably go, probably go O'Connor over over Hodge. I think Hodge. I think it's put it this way. I, I think Hodge slotted in at fly half because because of the six two bench. Mm. And if you you play a you play a traditional five three this week round, I'm pretty sure you James O'Connor would would be favourite to come on the bench with Alessio at or Alessio starting. If but. I don't know. I don't know. He played really, really. I think Hodge played really, really well. And to, I think to, I'm and this and, I've, and like this is no slouch on O'Connor, but O'Connor has not exactly impressed me since coming back from injury. Maybe he needs a bit more time. Um, I, I yeah, think it's, having it's a versatile. Hard, it's hard after that performance he put in on the second test against England. The verse. I think that the fact that Hodge just slotted into that position so well, um, and also just the versatility that he showed. It was those instances where all of those abilities to play in multiple different positions just he he just took it and ran with it, um, and he he showed so well for it. I think like it would I think it, it we'd be it would be a it wouldn't be right to to suddenly kick him off the bench and bring O'Connor in. I think of the two players, I think Hodge is playing better right now. Um, so I'd keep him in and, and bring Lalesio into the starting into the starting fly half position. Nathan Lalesio yeah, and then O'Connor. I can, I can I can I would I I reckon I can go either way. Like it's one of those things. Yeah, I, O'Connor. I, th- I thought O'Connor was good in like in bursts during that second test, but just couldn't finish couldn't finish it off. But yeah, I tend to agree. I think about tend to more agree with Nick. Like if you realistically picking your team, which one? Sunday, for Sunday, I was, we're still in. <laughs> I know. So, like, I, I, if I was picking, put it this way, if I, if I was picking a team for Sunday, I would probably go with Hodge. But if I'm looking at my long-term death chart, I think O'Connor's ahead. I, it'd be if you going back to your list. I'd, it'd be for me, it'd be Cooper, Lalesio, then O'Connor, O'Connor and Hodge uh, can a three-four, but they can swap at any time depending on form. And then probably I think Donaldson's your next man up. Just purely, purely because I think he, he was good for Australia, eh? Like he, Edmund had his chance, didn't really show it. Uh, I can't kind of discredit how crucial those just two international games would be just to, in terms of fast tracking the development when we might need it. So that's probably my list. And then, but on on a weekend, probably the Lesio and Lesio starting and Hodge off the bench allows for a, then it allows for like a Vunivalu to come off as well. See if he can get a couple more minutes. Oh, yeah, Vunavali, I forgot about him. But, yeah, great to see him play more than, what, three seconds? Um, four, four minutes. Four minutes, sorry. I did not, not get a chance to get an impact. But, I, I, but still like... win, I still win that based on prices, right, rules. Um, before we move on, probably should talk about Argentina a bit. Um, actually, I'll talk about Argentina and the big R word. We can also talk about him. But uh, Argentina um, played a bit like a checker team. Like, should they be disappointed that they didn't beat that the Wallabies? Were they on top at all? I'd say they were, uh, but it wasn't like I, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it was. They played like a checker team. I'd say that they played. They def- definitely came out there with a lot of, particularly in that first half, um, a lot of niggle. They came out with a strategy to basically try and shut down um, 
they they thought, okay, well, we, we realistically are going to struggle to compete with the Wallabies when they kick up a gear. So the aim is to basically just try and and stunt their nat- the natural progression of their game um, and try and get in their face, get aggressive, make them play to our style. Um, and, it, and it kind of fell apart for them in the end. I think they would be disappointed because, you know, fans at home have, have been enjoying that. But at the same time, I mean, they're only four games into a... They're only four games into the Checker era, so uh, whereas you know we've, we're twenty something plus on them, so in terms of development, they still have a lot to do. Uh, you know, during you know, this this series, there were some. I mean, there were some great performances. Buffelli is a fantastic player, um, and Matera, of course, is is a gun. He always has so been. A, he's such a great player. Both, um, both of those guys are great players, and it's it's actually kind of funny because some of their best players are not props and. Uh, forwards anymore, um, except for the what's I can't forget his name, but the guy who looks like um, the Argentinian James Slipper, Julian Montoya. Yeah, Montoya. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. They've they've got some great players, um, and it would actually you know it'd be really funny if they beat England, because um, I don't think Checker beat England. As well as no, he did. He did. He beat. He beat them once, which was when we knocked them out of the World Cup. Oh yeah, yeah. He never beat him with. It just uh, never beat him with Eddie Jones because he was playing rope dope rugby. But yeah, it, like this is a really talented Argentinian team. I expect them to to do better than they did. Uh, you know, with uh, when they were at the last World Cup, um, when they were at the last World World Cup with Ledesma. So. But because because they'll likely still be on the checker the checker one to two year juice, and they'll probably be peaking at the right time around then, which will probably be, you know, put them into into an interesting position. But you know, it's it's a tight turnaround. Checker's done it before, but whether Argentina can keep it up or not, who knows? It'll be there's always next week. If they win if they win the game next week, then everyone then everyone's back to to singing singing his praises again. Shout out to Check though for for starting to learn Spanish. Uh, I, 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 uh, courtesy of Paul Tate mentioning to us that he actually can, is starting to be able to speak Spanish with the boys. Respect. Yeah, he, he can speak Italian. Yeah. So speaking of people who can speak Spanish, the ref on the weekend spoke a bit of Spanish. You know, he'd say los manos, you know, no, uh, no manos. He'd say no hands to them in the ruck. Uh, but there's been a lot of chat about this ref, uh, Mark Adam- Adamson from Scotland. I don't think he was that bad. There were 30 penalties, apparently, but I don't think he was that bad. Um, you know, he had a few kind of funny ones, but I guess that's kind of too... That's normal, within the range of normal. Nathan, did you think he was... How do you uh, think he went? I think he was pedantic at some points. I think it was a, it was a weird swing of penalties. So, so from memory, that first half, it was, I think, 13-3 to Argentina, and then we got something like 10 straight. Like, that's... Again, in, when you're just looking at that in kind of isolation, that's a, it's a bit of a red flag. But all in all, no, I think anything he ended up being all right. Like it was, you know, it's there was again a couple of nitpicky calls that probably could have you probably can let go and just let the game flow. But no, no, nothing too bad. I um, yeah, I thought it was. I can't really remember the TMO being used. Um. Uh, and I think there was that call with Jed Holloway's high shot and was it Paisami or Ikatao, uh intercepting the ball? And he's like, 
both times like, yep, yeah, nah, don't worry about it. We don't have to go upstairs. And I thought that was so refreshing. That's probably why I like them a lot. Um, but anyway, moving on. Uh, let's move on to the second game. The big game of this weekend, which I've personally taken a lot of joy in seeing. I've never seen New Zealand play so poorly. And it's just so weird seeing Dane Coles out there. Like, his hair is graying. And you're like, Dane Coles, I thought he retired. Um, and Dane Coles is, is trying to win the game single-handedly. You know, he's picking up the ball, tapping it. He did this against Ireland as well, you know. Looking at the ref, hey, can we tap now? Because we've got to play, try to win the game. Um, I don't know. Maybe, Nick, you can you can talk about this. I don't know if you saw any of it. Um, Certainly did. But what's going on? Uh, and what do you think of the game? And also, what did you think of Kirtley, uh, South African Kirtley, headbutting uh, <laughs> Odin Barrett's hip, knocking oh. himself out and getting red carded? Well, I mean, look, he, this those ones are so up for debate right now. But like, clearly, he, he didn't do enough to get himself out of the way. So I can understand why the red card was called. Um, like, I mean, obviously he was trying to compete it. I don't think there was any malicious intent. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a surreal sight to see, isn't it? When he's literally completely surrounded by all the, all the care, all the, um, the medical staff and, and Angus yeah. Gardner has to go up to him and say, all right, you're off for the rest of the match. He already was going to be anyway. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's like, what can note. you see? How many fingers am I holding up? He's like, like two, the, all right, well, you can what, see what this. What colour is this? What colour <laughs> yeah. is this? Like, I mean, like, it was, <laughs> let's face it, he didn't really have another, Carter didn't have much of another option. Like, he's, that was, it was pretty reckless, as you said, and he's copped, the, I think Santos just dropped that he's, he's copped four weeks of suspension. So, you know, that's, I, I think that's fair enough, but you know what, from a worldly perspective, I, I don't mind him copping four weeks because he looked also, incredible. Was he also knocked out at the time when they told him that? <laughs> I think I think they're telling him when he wakes up. <laughs> oh God, what a what, what a nightmare to wake up from after the dream of beating New Zealand by your biggest ever score in ninety four years. Say, oh yeah, you can't do that for four more weeks. How many fingers am I holding up? Four How many fingers am I holding up? <laughs> That's a many weeks you copped. Oh but yeah, we no, should fair. we should not make we should not make light of that. I've been knocked out on a rugby field too many times. It is not fun when you come to. It sucks. But going back to the game at large, like, Mr. Hartman, how long have you and I have been working at Ganga for? I do not recall. Like, even when I was, you know, in school, the All Blacks losing three in a row. Like, you can barely comprehend them losing two in a row. Um, And my yeah, God, it is... Be like, early 2000s? Like, when... They lost to France in the quarterfinal. Yeah, like I have been shocked by some of the discourse that I've seen around the All Blacks. Um, we we joke about it in we like I've joked about it in a while, like and say you know nothing of hell because we've lost five or six on the trot, and it absolutely sucks. Um, and yes, you can be a side that, you know, can lose three or four in a go. Like, you can lose three or four in a row and, and you're a side that's that's used to winning. But it's kind of shocked me how so many, what the, what the discourse is about the All Blacks in New Zealand right now. Um, and you'd hope that fans would rally around this team. 
But there's a lot of angry folks out there. There's a lot of angry folks out there about the fact that they went over and were beat and have been beaten by a team by a by the better side on three occasions. I'm sorry, they were. Um, and in particular for this game, like whenever I don't know exactly what the hell's going on, which is often in rugby, I do what I always do and I turn to Squidge. <laughs> Squidge Rugby, because uh, he's a, the man is a freak and knows everything. And he made a fantastic and uh, point about the All Blacks because I was like, what is going on with this side? Why are they playing the way they are? And he's basically said when in his he did a, a video about the Irish series, and he said the he's he's shocked because the All Blacks look exactly the same as the 2019 All Blacks, like they look exactly the same in his eyes. Yeah, um, yeah. That they've made no progression. They've made no progress. They've made no, um, you know, active change in their game and their structure and their play. And they're coming up against teams who, you know, even like every single tier one nation has shown some form of growth or progression since the 2019, since the last World Cup. Um, even Italy, even Italy has shown growth and, and development over that time. Um and the All Blacks seem to be are playing like they're three years behind everyone else, which means everyone else is now caught up. <laughs> mm. So, Nathan, um, before the release of Load and Reload, I think in 95, 96, Metallica famously cut their hair. Should the All Blacks also cut their hair and, and get on the latest trend? That's before my time, James. Jeez, what a reference you've gone for that. Um, like, I think... Yeah, they just they they look stale. They look they look like a team that doesn't look threatening anymore in terms of their attack. It's it's I think it's been pointed out by a couple of people. It's very one dimensional. It's it just you have so much and it's it's it still kind of weird. give it to Bowden Barrett. Hey, mm, but it feels weird to say because they have the weapons are incredible. When terms of Bowden Barrett, Geordie Geordie Barrett, Will Jordan those type of players are absolutely game breakers and they doesn't, it just doesn't seem like the system that they're in. It's just affording them the chance to really shine and do what they do best. So I, I think for them, it's time to pretend, probably time to move on and just overhaul, overhaul the coaching stuff. But it's, I don't know. It's been, it's been, as you kind of touched on Nick, it's been fascinating to watch just what a couple of losses has done to this, this famous all black culture, you know, I think, yeah, I think it's, I think it's sad. fascinating, glorious it's, and it's heartwarming. Of, the best, the best thing I can describe it with, and I was talking with my Kiwi mate yesterday about it. It's the, it's the Australian cricket equivalent, the All Blacks. Mm. You know, everyone, everyone, you know, looked up to that team um, just after the twenty first, just the turn of the twenty first century, as you know, a team that played fair, a team that played hard. But you know, look, look at the talent that's coming through. That's what we need to mull itself off. And you know, once those guys, once you know, you've now seen with New Zealand, once your Carters, your McCaws. Uh, uh, gone, long gone. You know, your Bowden's Bowden Barrett's might not be at the peak of their form. Like all of a sudden, you realise that it's, this culture was was it was just a winning one, and there was nothing special about it. It was just they were winning, so it, it must be good. And you, I think you've seen that with a real discourse behind this team. Like you've you've lost to to a good island good island team and a South Africa team playing at one of its fortresses. Like. Yeah, it was realistic. You could have lost three games in a row. Like, and going back to last year, losing to the French, who are 
in incredible form at the moment. And yet mm. it's been knives out. Anyone who's got a column piece is appearing to attack him and it's just yeah. it's chaos. Uh, look, okay, look, so I get I get the the sadistic, you know, fan because the All Blacks have heaped pain on us for years. For years. Like it's the simple and and uh, like uh, I a part of me, yes, is enjoying the fact that finally it is uh, you know, that finally we are getting some, you know, come up, like there is some sort of come up that's happening for the team. But like, I don't take aim at the players for that. The players at the end of the day, they're, they're, they're like, I feel sorry for the players. I think it's, I think the overzealous and over the top fans, I take like the fact that they're getting angry and upset about it. Like they're the people who I'm laughing at. Um, I feel very sorry for these players, though. You mean like the people who've been uh, trolling uh, Tro- Green and Gold Rugby's posts like, for well, years? Yeah, like, but they've been trolling that, basically. but they've also been saying they're the, you know, like they talk about the All Blacks as a humble, like the All Blacks as a humble team. I have no doubt that the team is humble. I have no doubt that the really. Oh, I think. So. Well, look, I mean, I think so because at the end of the day, you know, they're. I'm going to back myself into a corner here and I'm going to fight my way out. But I do genuinely believe that at the end of the day, like these are players, these are human beings, they're players and they actually do show uh, they, the reason why the All Blacks are so good is because they love playing the game. And I'm not going to fault the team that's going to be able to play so well as like so well and get into that. But I do have an issue with fans who are so over the top and overzealous about the, about a team um, that they go out of their way to to abuse other people who enjoy the same game as you. Um, I I think that the problem with this team is that it is clearly there is something really really rotten in the state of 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 the camp. Whether it is the fact that there is a lack of faith in the structures, or the fact that the structures aren't being able to adapt enough to game plans that have figured it out. Um, that's the problem, uh, but I'm just shocked that this that New Zealand, the team that really is seen as kind of the shining light of you know high quality and 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 you know a fantastic not just a rugby brand a sporting brand, to see its fans turn on them on, on, like turn on them with so quickly, kind of shocks me. Like by hook or by crook, you stick by your club, win, lose or draw. I mean, we've been here through, we've been here through some shit times. I think that what makes it so good, it's like they lost three times or whatever, and like in a row, right? So, and being a Wallabies fan, it's like used to it. It's like funny they're in the same boat now. Um, yeah, but the, but yeah, but that's but I'm just like I mean, yes, we weren't happy about the fact that we lost three times in a row, but maybe it's the fact that we've just had it had been so resoundingly beaten beaten into us. That now we just come to appreciate the fact that we we I savor every win now. I love it. I love every win. And even when we like lost, even when we've gone down, you know, in the England series this year, I've still have just felt well. I'm still proud of this team. I'm still proud of this team and the way that this team has performed and mm-hmm. the way that they that they've lost with they they may win with grace, but they also they've lost with dignity and they lost that in at least some way have shown that they're committed to this, you know, they're, they're, they lost with dignity, essentially. Like, 
I'm, I'm, you know, the All Blacks, they definitely didn't give up in this game. And they definitely showed that, you know, they definitely showed fight, even though the game was was being chipped further and further away. But the fans are absolutely not sticking by. A lot of the fans are not sticking by this team. Well, at least the ones that we see online. I have no doubt, like, there'd be a lot of Kiwi fans who who deliberately disengage with that sort of rhetoric and just say, you know, teams, the team's a bit in the shit right now. And, you know, we still stick with them and we still support them. But it's just, I'm shocked at some of the discourse around it. We say that now. Um, <laughs> just automatically prepared for them to be absolutely coming out firing by the time they we get to Melbourne and they, they'll just come out and be like, yep, here we go. Yeah, but, but, I, I think even... coaching of like um, that dude who did who coached Ireland and Warren Gatland and no Robertson, Robertson and Scott Robertson. No, they have a council of coaches and being like council? some kind of coaching supergroup. Um, this, yeah, but there's two there's two things from that though. Is that one like will that will that council of coaches be able to turn the All Blacks around in time for the World Cup? And two, even if it is still Foster and even if they do still win, are we like are the All Blacks still <laughs> in the same place? I'd argue no. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd say no too. But but you know, as much as we can talk about the All Blacks, actually did play someone on the weekend, apart from themselves or their fans. Um, so Nathan Throne, you Springboks were good, weren't they? Oh, they just they they were clinical. They just dragged New Zealand into their type of game and just delivered on all fronts. They they just they look like such a quality side, and you know there's a reason why they they've probably launched themselves in the favorite favoritism for this rugby championship. They just from minute one they were just on they. Kicked the Kiwis to death. They tackled their hearts out. They were they were just on song today. No, sorry, on Sunday. It was just a really good performance from them. Um, and their defence is insane. And my, Malcolm Marks had a field day. He was everywhere. He might he's, be one of the best players in the world right now. He doesn't even start from that often. Like he's just that's the depth they have. They can afford to have, you know, Malcolm Marks come, comes off the bench. And then um, they have, you know, a couple of options they can just swap in there when they can. And they're also world-class. So it's just like, it's incre- incredible the depth that's in South Africa at the moment. And, you know, Malcolm Marks, I think, I think that this was his 50th as well. It just delivered on all forms from easy yeah. man of the match from that game. Yeah, insane player, insane player. Uh, we can do a quick little, very quick prediction right now before we move on to the next topic. But all backs lose next week. Is Foster going, going, gone? Nick? No, well, would it, I think it would be really bad if to, to remove a coach midway through the rugby championship. If he's going, it won't be until the end of the rugby championship in my eyes. Um, okay. Just because it's mid-campaign. Like, has a, I mean, of course there's, you know. Apparently an all-backs coach has been, never been sacked before. I'm not surprised. Well, I mean, considering the previous record, all of the previous all-black coaches have had. Um, yeah. Especially over over the professional professional era, um, I'm not surprised that no one's been sacked before. But yeah, like I, I can't imagine the All Blacks would sack Foster mid tour and have to bring someone in. Well, I mean, what would the question you, you'd be asking if you're if you are the NZRU right now? Will the All Blacks be better off with a new coach immediately in the middle of the campaign? Or is effectively this campaign just doesn't doesn't matter at all because I mean there are still things that they can salvage from this campaign. Um, 
with Foster still in charge. And the first is like, I mean, if they lose the Bledisloe, um, what like that is a massive red flag. Um, they can still if they can still retain the Bledisloe. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa! Stop tempting fate by mentioning them losing the Bledisloe, bro. It's just. <laughs> I'm cutting all. I'm cutting all of this bit. Um, <laughs> Nathan, Nathan, your quick uh, prediction: if they lose, is Foster gone? I, I think if the ends that I won't cut him, Jacinda Ardern will. Like, you, I, 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 I get what you're saying. You can't really cut a coach mid tour, but like, I, you, you're really in a tough spot if you keep him around. And again, you, you've said said we don't want to tempt fate, but you know. As Wallabies fans, you'd be there licking your lips if he stays. And that's kind of not the attitude you want from us, not the attitude New Zealanders want from their coach. Um, and when you consider as, consider as well what it's, and you t- tag on those losses to Ireland and France but at the start of the year, I'm sorry, at the end of last year, they're what, they're what four from the last six lost? Sorry, five from the last six they've lost? So it's yeah, a, it's it's five, a decent stretch. Yeah. It's a decent stroke they've got going. And, yeah, it's interesting to know. It's just, I think it's more the style they're playing as well as the issue because, I mean, you know, Dave Rennie lost five, it's lost five out of six of his last games before Argentina. But there, was, there wasn't the same level of pressure. Cause, but I think, and I think that's because whilst Australia, we are seeing, as we've said before, like they've, the pieces we've got, he's using and getting the best out of them by the looks of it and finding new ways to, to sort of unlock this talent. Foster just isn't. He's got generational talent and it's all of a sudden just, you don't want to say it's being wasted, but it's not being harnessed to its best best possibility. And when your lone win of the year is the essentially the week he spent in isolation, it, it does speak volumes that, you know what? Maybe it's time for a change. Maybe it's time for Joe Schmidt to take over or, or Plumtree go, comes in as coach. From yeah, for what, it's worth, for what it's worth, I totally think he can sack a coach midway through. I mean, when, you, when you're playing this badly, uh, yeah, totally. They're playing like rubbish. This isn't, um, but this isn't Richard Graham level, like... Like Richard, a player like someone Richard, like you remember Richard Graham when he was at the Reds and just uh, he was sacked, I think, second round or third round into the Super Rugby season because of, uh, you know, just the fact that the team was so disorganized, the disunity was there, there was active fighting happening on screen. It was such a bad look. Um, are, are we at, are we at Richard? Is are we saying that Ian Foster uh, yeah, is Richard, is, is Richard Graham it's level? Close. It's getting close. I mean, Justin Marshall was having a go at them. <laughs> Justin Marshall nearly got in a fight. That was funny, but like, like we're not we're not getting to the not getting to the stage where people are about to fight each other in New Zealand ranks. But I think you know the all as you said, the All Blacks are such a brand that they're held to a, a standard that might be above, you know, what the rest of us expect. I think if you if you end up losing sixty last seven games, I think at, at that point, I I think it's almost the decisions out of their hands. You just have to. I mean, I, I always in this, these situations, you know, the the early mail always comes when you see, you know, a coaching change in their assistant ranks, and you know, bringing, you know, I think bringing, I think it's Jason Ryan they brought in as the assistant coach, and getting rid of one of Foster's boys. Like it's that's to me that's the sign of New Zealand rugby basically going to him and saying, if you have another bad tour, like we're already planning for you to for you to be out, so. 
you're you're on last chance alone, I think, in this in this week's game in South Africa. So it'll be fascinating. Wait, yeah, just I, just, I, just I, imagine I, them to say the kiss. Just imagine the New Zealand Rugby Union saying uh, he has our full support. That's the kiss of death. That's that's the only thing missing, really. That's the kiss of death. Yeah, just they just need to say that, and he is out of here. He's out of there. He, I give him like two weeks. Yeah. Um. So after South Africa, there's a week's break, and after Australia plays in Argentina, there's a week's break, and then. Argentina's playing twice in New Zealand. Is that right, Nathan? Yeah, that's correct. And Australia's playing South Africa twice. Okay, cool. Um, cool. So anyway, oh, I think that's about it on uh, New Zealand and South Africa. But just moving on, quick subject. We must talk about it. Um, obviously, the other big news this week was that Hooper went home because he just, I guess, he had a mindset. I think that was a phrase she, he used. Um. Yeah, pretty, pretty powerful, I guess, in many ways. A strong right, well, leadership. Let's, let's go through. We'll go through the process just to kind of give okay, a full backstory. Yeah. And this is this is essentially from Dave Rennie's press conference early Saturday morning. Um, I, Hooper made the announcement, I believe, just before captain's run. Um, he had spoken to the, the team doctor, and that conversation escalated to um, Rennie and the team manager Chris Webb and basically from then he said that you know I think he sent a statement that he's just not in the right sort of mindset or kind of in the best place to be playing so the decision was made for him to head home he, he's he's gone back with Dave Ferecki who's again could still battling a concussion I think was kind of one or two days off from being right for the second test so they're not putting a time frame on him. They're basically just saying, just get the help. That, that if, if, or if he needs the help, go and get it. If he needs the time off, just switch off from rugby. But, I mean, it's a, that's kind of what we know at this stage. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for that, Nathan. I guess this one question is like, the captain's run, just as a tangent. What is that? Does he run the session? I think it's just a name. It's just a the name that's put in the final kind of practice of before the game. Like usually it's just a very light kit out where you're just kind of doing your base, your basic skills, your, your, a light training session that will usually follow your team photo and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's just a very light walkthrough of the day before a game. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, so like yeah, pretty pretty powerful, pretty good, strong of leader show of leadership, but also I guess not. I'm not shocked. Um, the dude I've said before, and the best way possible, he's a freak of nature, um, and he's played what 26 games a year for the last year. He's what was the youngest player to 100 or something. Been captain Wallabies for years. And the kind of period that he's looked after is, I don't know if you guys remember, but when England came out and Alistair Cook, like the cricket team came out, Alistair Cook was captain for the Ashes and they lost all but one game and they played a full set. They played five tests, five ODIs and three 2020s and England won one, one day out. and they got pummeled in all of them. And you'd be like, hey, Alistair Cook, what'd you think about that game? And it's like, you know, he was running out of things to say and he was out on the other side of the world, away from his family, well, away from home at least, for three, five months, staying in hotels. And I 
I can't say that would be conducive to a good sense of well-being. So I'm not really kind of shocked at all by Hooper doing this. Um, but it's, you know, it was good to see that he made the decision and I hope it sets a good precedent. Um, I guess, Nathan or, or, or Nick, do you have anything to add on Hooper going? I I think it's, um, to be honest... Michael Hooper, I think, has been for the last few years. He's been the abs- He's been the heart and soul of of the Wallabies. I think, um, even when the, the team has put together, you know, a, a rough performance, you can never say anything bad about the dude. He always gives a hundred and ten percent. He always goes hard. He always is there and playing with the determination and the desire to succeed um, that, we're, that we are so proud of. I think it's amazing that he has been able to maintain that level of focus for, for that long. Um, you've got to be in the right mindset to play, and I think it's a, a testament to him to admit to, first of all, to the rest, you know, to himself and say, you know what, maybe I need to take a step back from this and give myself some time because I know when I am on form and this is not all right. Also to say it to the team, also for the, for the team to be so welcoming and so honest and open about it. Um, it's a, it's, it leads to a broader discussion around, around you know, mental health and the fact that discussions in, around mental health are shifting, um, particularly for for men who, you know, in, in the past it, traditionally have often really struggled with this sort of stuff. This is, I think this is a really wonderful thing. And I really hope that he's doing okay, in all honesty. Um, like you say, Nick, it sets, it sets a, it sends such a positive message. You can be captain of the Wallabies. You can have done 120 tests. Um, admitting to yourself is not that you're not okay is... Um, is probably the bravest thing of all. Tip of the hat to him. Again, I completely agree. I mean, he's he, you know, he's captain Australia. He is the man that is always worn his heart on his sleeve, and you know, has emptied the tank every time he's played. And you know, you, in emptying the tank, yeah, at some stages you have to sort of step up and realize, hey, maybe something's just I'm I, I so I need to take time for myself, and then you know we. We've talked about all the injuries physically, but you know, mentally, it's as important. And you know, where it's quite fascinating. While we surf, when you look at it now, you have you have Hooper, who's now stepped down. You know, you have James O'Connor, who's been really open with his struggles and what he's gone through during his time overseas. You know, Azai Parisi is a similar story, having you know talked about his his time in the NRL and getting, um, I think it was getting a police charge and then heading over to France and then not being able to deal with that and how that kind of affects his mental health. You kind of, we're in this new age of athlete that is so open about it. You know, this comes, I think just a week after um, one of the like brightest young stars in UFC, Paddy Pimlet gave a full speech about mental health. And all of a sudden that's, that resonated with UK people so much that I think their mental health organizations were reporting. There was a spike in guys sort of phoning up and, kind of talking about their problems. So I mm. think that's just, that's the the era we're living in now. And you kind of put it perfectly that you're, 
so open about when we're not okay mentally and it's not not just physical health that all of a sudden we're kind of just putting all the focus to so I guess full full credit to to Hooper and when you know whenever he's back ready to go we'll be we'll be ready for it but you know it's it's he's just gonna take all the time he needs just to get himself back to 100 percent yeah you, you often say with with stuff like this you know you deal with with physical injuries all the time but you know f- from personal experience nothing compares to the struggles of mental health i think it's it's some of the toughest things they are if, if and if michael hooper needs to have time off that is more important than any rugby game um I hope we, we we hope he's doing okay. We hope his family's doing okay. Whatever whatever is happening, uh, we hope you we hope you're all right, mate. Yeah, uh, totally. And and yeah, I think he will be right. I think you know we don't know what's going on, but dude probably just needs a break, um, and and a rest. Um, and it was also kind of great to see, like I mean, like Nathan mentioned before about James O'Connor and obviously Quade Cooper. Quade Cooper put this great tweet up, uh, which is kind of like you, you talk about mental health and all that kind of stuff. I think a huge part of mental health is good positive thinking. And what uh, Quade Cooper tweeted, and Quade Cooper, um, uh, he, he put up this tweet that said, you know, um, when the when the path becomes blocked by obstacles, the path becomes the obstacles become the path. Obviously, the, the obstacles in in the path becomes the path. Yeah, obviously referring to his yeah. Thanks, Nathan. His um ruptured Achilles. So that's just great. Like, and it's just great. Okay, hey, look, it happened, but let's focus on the positive and what I can get out of this. And I thought that was also great. And that needs to be stated. It's not just hey, I feel bad. It's also hey, you know, this is how we should think about it. This is how we should react not kind of dwell in the 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 worst parts of it um but anyway going from not feeling so gold to feeling gold the great segue that is um the girls sorry i should say the women's comms the women's sevens team won the gold medal at the comms games and the boys won the runs i think Fourth, okay, fourth. Fourth. Oh, okay. Well, sorry, sorry, everyone. It's not because I don't care. It's just because I couldn't be bothered to download the Channel Seven app. Um, <laughs> uh, so that probably gives a hint as to how much I know. But <laughs> Nick and Nato, well, what do you think? One of you can do uh, the the women's, and other one can do the men's. Nathan, you can do that. I'll give you the honour of talking about this amazing women's team. <laughs> I'm happy to take the men, but again, my my goodness, it's they're really making a case to being the best national side this country has. Like, you come off a World Series where they were just pure dominance the whole time, you know. They and they opened the campaign, crushed South Africa and Scotland. Yes, there was a setback against Fiji, but just you can tell there's just this. This, it's an alpha mindset. It's just this this mindset of you know we we we've dropped games. That's fine, but you know when it matters, there's not a team better than us. You know they go out and beat New Zealand in the semi final. Do you do it the hard way? You beat the team that beat you four years ago in the Com Games and Gold Coast. Then come to Fiji, and it was you know watching that game, 
it's one of the few times where I've, you know, I've seen a team come out for an anthem and instantly gone, all right, they've got this, they're winning. There was the, the, I think Tim Walsh has said this as well. There was this, this real attitude and confidence around the side that they can, that they were going to get the job done and they were dominant. I mean, standouts are plenty. I mean, where do you start with Charlotte Kazakh who's, you know, cemented a case as probably the best seventh player in the world, if not ever. Do you, you know, Madison Levi with a breakout tournament with uh, continuing on a breakout year with 10 tries. Um, you talk about Tegan Levi, who's come on leaps and bounds as well. And, you know, those three are, are continuing to find new levels. You know, you talk about a, a Faith Nathan who's continuing to shine. A Shani Williams who keeps getting better. Like, and all the young kids coming through, like your Ashby's, your... Jesse Southwells is only 17. Even a T.L. Hines who comes in and delivers on a on a big stage as well. Like there's stars of stars are plenty around this team. They are just world class and to see them get the, the recognition and the the press time they've deserved over the past seven about yeah, seven to twelve days. Like it's been it's been incredible and you know, sets up a exciting time for them to maybe go to South Africa in a month's time, get a World Cup Sevens title as well. And properly establish himself as the team debate like it's just it's just a wonderful team yeah it's it's so good to see i've seen some of their interviews and they they come across really well and and really give the sport a good rep um and it's also kind also of great. just sorry just one point on that interview is the yeah. the i think it's the one they did with channel nine and, and i was channel nine on channel seven they when they ask us so how's the training going oh yeah we've we've come up with a new new word it's called chromatine it's when we we're running so hard that we're crying and vomiting at the same time. I thought that was that was just hilarious. <laughs> Cromartine. <laughs> Cromartine. Yeah. Just an all an all time line, but again, it just it speaks to how hard they work and how just incredible standards they drive for each other. God, yeah, that, it's that, a very cromulent word. <laughs> that's a that's a that sounds like another level of uh, another threshold of, of physical pain that I'm, I'm not prepared to to get to you're crying so much that you vomit chromatin shout out tom carter who's there you know strength <laughs> strength there's strength and conditioning coach who's just apparently an absolute weapon when it comes to has been a weapon just getting him in shape and getting him absolutely firing i thought you were going to say a weapon when it comes to chromatin um i was the other thing i was going to add was charlotte kaslik has said something to the effect that Hey, you're going to stick around NRLW, and she said no. Olympics is the goal, um, so that's good to hear. Um, Nicholas Vasiliev, the men, the men, yes, indeed. Talk to me about the men. Yeah, look, I mean, it was it was it was disappointing to see them at least like not not come away with a medal. Um, <clears throat> it was. I think the the recent form that this team has had has has really got us excited going into it. Coming off, you know, winning the the England uh, leg of the of the of the world's of the of the World Series sevens, um, and they've been they have been looking so strong um, over the last, you know, throughout the entire previous season. And you know, when we saw that demolition of, of Jamaica, um, right at the start of it, when they won sixty two to zip. To zip um, I was I was just thinking to myself, oh God, they are coming in red hot. They are looking very good. Um, but yeah, it's 
It just wasn't to be. Of course, you know, there were you know, there were injuries and there were things like that, you know, with to with losses to uh, you know, with players like Karevi. But you know, of course there's there were some moments where I think execution maybe let them down a little bit. I mean, let's talk about that the the Uganda game, uh, which they drew. Uh, those are the games that you got to put away. Um, similarly to you know against the likes of playing, you know teams like Kenya and Samoa. And at the end of the day, it was just it just came down to a case of you know you get through, um, but you're coming up against the likes of South Africa and New Zealand. That's a tough run to get to finals, um, and and uh, and. To, to play against in back-to-back games. Um, and, yeah, at the end of the day, unfortunately, it just it just wasn't to be. But I wouldn't say it's, it's the it, you know, they should be too downhearted. It's been such a fantastic year of growth for the men's sevens team. Um, and, you know, of course, they're, they're going to head off to the United States uh, for the final leg of the of the World Sevens Tour, uh, you know, later this year. In Which autumn. they're in, like, a chance of winning? Um, to, yeah, they are a chance of uh, yeah, they are they are a chance of winning the, the World Series sevens. Yeah, two points behind, but I think it's a long shot just because of the weird way the sevens um, calendar works. So technically, I'm trying to figure this out. Technically, Australia has the most points out of any team, but it's because of COVID affecting the start of the series last year. They're only taking I, I think it's COVID, but they're only taking the best seven out of nine results. Oh, so okay. So yeah, so South Africa had an absolute stinker again in France, but that you know, they I think they had five points at the end of the tournament, and but under the new system, under this system, that means that doesn't count. Oh, worst, right. Okay. Our worst is a ten pointer, which which again gets gets removed out, but it means heading into Los Angeles, we're two points behind. And also, their, so their second worst result is a 10-pointer. Our second worst result is a 13-pointer. So essentially what we have to do is we'd have to make up five points on them. So like, uh, which so is they, actually, that's, that's the difference between gold and bronze. So, you know, it's doable, but you're asking a lot. It basically sounds like they need to, you know, uh, they basically need to win the thing. And then also try and you know hope that South Africa have a bad run home, and basically, uh, yeah. So it's a, it's a combo of two things. I mean, can they win? Can they win that? Absolutely, they can. Of course, they, they've they've proven that they're good enough to do it. Um, and additionally, the fact that you know they won in London, um, even despite the results in 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 the Commonwealth Games. Of course, they can still win that. There is, and even if they don't, even if they finish in 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 second or or third or whatever. Um, it, regardless, that shouldn't take away from the fact that they've had a really positive year. There's, it's been a really strong year of growth for the men's team. You know, there's they've really taken it to to tip the traditional strong teams like New Zealand and and South Africa. Um, and it's uh, hopefully onwards and upwards and signs of uh, of better things to come uh, for this team. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it's disappointing uh, to finish in fourth and not grab a grab a medal. But you know, grass is always greener. Um, yeah, totally. And in terms of greener grass, uh, also good to see that New Zealand both got two bronzes. So not all is well in New Zealand Rugby Union. Just love, love seeing the downfall, don't we? It's, it's downfall 2022. It's, what yeah. it is. It's, a, it's a downfall while, like, we just, we got to try and just enjoy it while it lasts. Because, like, really, New Zealand Rugby is going to find its 
its way back up. But, you know, just these brief moments when you just kind of enjoy it. I'm going to... Schadenfreude. Well, I'm going to savour this for a little while. So if any if any Kiwi fans come up to us and say, oh, we're, we're, we're humble, or they're, they're clearly the troll sort of fan... Let's let's talk about let's talk about the period of of November twenty twenty one to or to August twenty twenty two, when things were going very very south very very quickly. <laughs> and that's all I'll say. Oh, love it, love no it. No more pleasure. I'll no have a. My response is I'll have a printed out photo of Richard McCall crying after getting knocked out by France. I just have that in my wallet, and I also have in my wallet the photo of the English fans leaving. Uh, the World Cup game in 2015. I got those two photos in my wallet. No, just take out if you if you want to annoy a Kiwi fan right now, just take out a photo of Ian Foster. Just 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 him, just him. <laughs> That's all you need. That's all you need. Like I reckon that'll that'll sting for years. Just say oh, after. If we go to a Wallabies game, we should wear Ian Foster masks. Oh yes, brilliant idea. <laughs> yes, please. Um, anyone down? Actually, let's get Dylan. Let's see if we can get Dylan down in uh, down in Melbourne as our as our dropped kickoff representative, to 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 make to to go along with his his rugby boys dressed in Ian Foster masks. Yeah, love it. Do it. Cool. Um, anyway, with that hot banter, um, I guess it's time to say goodbye. Predictions for this week, or oh yeah, predictions, of course. Uh, <laughs> Nick, your three predictions are who's going to win out of the All Blacks and uh, and Springboks, who is going to win out of the Wallabies in Argentina, and is Ian Foster going to get sacked? Um, <clears throat> I think Springboks are going to win. Right now, they're just looking the stronger side. And... Point score, point score, plus oh. how many? I don't think it's going to be as much as it was last week because... Uh, um, it's going to be, I reckon, I don't think it's going to be as much as last week. By less than 10, I reckon it's going to be. What was last week, 18 or something? Because apparently Six, they're... 16. Re- 16. Well, their record was, win is like 17. Yeah. So it was, or something like that. Yeah, 16 was the win. It was 26-10 last week. Um, so this one is, and it was the biggest, or Springbok's biggest win over the All Blacks in 94 years, um, which is ridiculous. That's a ridiculous yeah, stat. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's going to be that. I was just gonna say the biggest their biggest loss is still that game in Perth. Yeah, no, that like it's it, like it's a shared one both by the Wallabies. So I think it was it was the game in Perth plus and then there's another one also against ah, the Wallabies, right. which is like twenty eight to seven. I think it was like two thousand and two or something. I need to I need to get the no, stats. Nineteen ninety nine. Nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, twenty eight seven. It was it was during that that golden era of Wallabies All Blacks games that are just. Absolutely, absolutely unbelievable. But yeah, um, so I reckon uh, Springboks by just under the by like converted try, seven to ten. I reckon. Um, second one, Wallabies. I reckon Wallabies are going to get the job done, um, even despite you know having to make a couple of, of changes. Um, this team is just believing and looking really, really good. And at the moment, um, always like I, I, while I am. Still thinking that Argentina is improving under Checker, um, and they showed a lot of strength in that Scotland series. I'm not seeing right now what they have uh, to to you know knock a, knock the Wallabies over. So I anticipate it'll be a closer game again, um, but a win to the Wallabies. 
And do I think Foster's getting cut? Uh, no, I don't. Ooh. I think he's gonna. I think he will survive. Is, are we going to call this? Is this going to be Foster Watch? Is that what we're going to do for the next few episodes? Just get on Foster Watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what to do. Um, I'm just hang on. Let's look at the stats now, right? So Springbok's biggest defeat. Do you guys know it? Like uh, ever? I, I just had it. It's, not, it's against the Wallabies. Like, it's against the Wallabies, isn't it? Or is our biggest a, loss against them? Uh, it's it's a great, great, it's a great trade by the Rugby Fixation podcast that goes through all the... It's 57 nil. Yeah, 57 oh, nil. That one in, oh, yeah. Oh. A couple of years ago. When they're at the... They had that Hendrik... Is it Coatsy? Who was that guy? That, that coach? Before they got... Oh, Razzie. God. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, mean like yeah. The, oh, yeah. Okay, not surprised now at all. Um, Australia's biggest defeat is against South Africa, 53 to 8. 2008. Mm-hmm. At the high uh, belt, isn't it? I believe. Yeah, and the biggest defeat New Zealand's had is the ones you just mentioned before, the 28 to 7 and the 47 to 26. Meanwhile, England, England's is 76 to nil. Who beat them like that? Australia. That's oh, the, the no classic, way. That's the what? classic game in Brisbane where they they basically sent a a really fresh England side out. Like, this was, like, Johnny Wilkinson's, like, first couple of tests. It might have been first test. And it was a it was a real weak side, and they just got got absolutely pumped. It's it's nicknamed the Tour, Tour of Hell because they got absolutely destroyed by every single team that that they played against. I don't think they won a game on that tour, did they? That's unbelievable. Oh, they, sorry, sorry, they beat New Zealand A and at an academy side, got... Towed up by Australia 76 nil, got beat by the Maori, New Zealand Maori 62 14. And they just, they were absolutely smacked around. But this was, this was like a proper firing Wallaby side. Like, yeah, Ber- Bernie Larkham absolutely killed him on, on the day from memory. I just, it was, I think it was in the second half, they just ran and tried to try for try. Jesus. Yeah, no, nah, no, thank you. That's like as as much as like we like we can find pot shots at other teams like Argentina's biggest loss and stuff. At least they scored in their game, seventy six nil. That's rough. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's <laughs> glorious, actually. Yeah. I'd, oh no, I'd watch it. I'd watch it, and I would enjoy every single moment of it. I just the rugby man in me is like I've been on the end of scores like that, and it sucks. Yeah. Um. I'm actually looking at all these like biggest defeats, and most of them are <laughs> South Africa did them or New Zealand did them. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. doesn't, doesn't surprise me. Like they've been the two dominant teams for the past 15, 20 years. So yeah, yeah, totally. Um, anyway, uh, Nathan, your three questions to you: Springboks, All Blacks, Wallabies, Argentina, Ian Foster. Uh, I think South Africa. South Africa win. South Africa win by ten. Um, Foster goes. I think if, if if that result happens, no, I just can't see him staying. To be honest, and uh, Wallabies get it done again. I think we're still. We can't underestimate how much the adversity of the past month is probably going to be playing on this side. But I still think there's enough quality left that can get the job done. Uh, do you expect there to be any changes? To the game um, on the weekend. I think outside of um, outside of Cooper, probably not. Maybe I think the only one name that was thrown up was um, 
Roy Arnold potentially being back. Okay. Like he's apparently before he joined the Wellby squad, did his calf or did a slight calf strain, so they're still bring him back to form. But I mean, given how well Nick Frost played, but coming off the bench, like I don't see if I don't see him risking him. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I think that's unless there's other injuries they're not they're not disclosing, I think that's probably gonna be the only change. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Um, my predictions, yeah, I think it's going to be boxed by... I reckon they're going to go better and they're going to beat their record. So it be like boxed by 18. Foss is gone. Um, and uh, Wallabies. Wallabies by uh, eight. There you go. Hard-hitting predictions. Um, I think that's all. Yeah, I can't cool. think of anything else. Is there any, Tra- dragged on for long enough. Um, <laughs> cool. All right. Actually, well, I think we kept it pretty sharp this time. Usually, yeah. we, usually we're good for a solid hour and a half type podcast, but I think we've kept it pretty good. Yeah, it might be. Hour and a bit. Yeah, hour and a bit. Hour and uh, a bit. Uh, cool. Anyway, cool. Uh, well, thanks for coming on, guys. Um, and I guess to everyone else out there, uh, we'll talk to you probably next week, hopefully early in the week. We've done really early in the week this time, so we'll see what happens next week. But yeah, um, catch us next time. Goodbye. But what did go wrong? I'll have to look, look and think about it, think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Sirly Bombo? Bit of genius, bit of magic. Sirly Bombo, very interesting, very good, yeah. Very good. Three cheers for Sirly Bombo, very good, very good.